Our world is always so rush-rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Hi everyone and good morning here from the Midwest uh, for another show of Might Radio. And we have invited the guest back that was with us two weeks ago and her name is Anita Shore. Now the reason we asked her back is because her story was so compelling. Her story was about her childhood in um, during the Second World War and she had been in a concentration camp and one hour was just not enough to hear everything. And so Anita, I am so glad to welcome you back. I feel like you're a friend now. Welcome you back to the show. And you have written, um, Marion Stahl has written a book about your life, Be a Hero, which is available on Amazon. Anita, welcome to the show. Good morning for you. How are you? I am great. And you know what? I listened to the show uh, that we had previously, part one, as I like to call it. And I went over where, for the listener, we kind of fell off, you know, and there was absolutely no more time to say a beautiful story about a soldier sharing his sandwich with you. And for everyone who's listening, just before Anita starts, just so you understand, Anita is uh, a grandmother. She lives in Westport, Connecticut. She's a devoted advocate for the weakest members of our society. And she is proudly presenting her story so that you out there will learn about hatred. And Anita, I loved what you told me yesterday. You also talk about... Um, that the world has lost humanity. And I think that is a very, very good point to start with. So please, tell us about the story of the soldier. Well, it was now, we are now in, actually, in 19, end, of, end of the year of, 19, of 1944. Just, okay. It was just close to the end of the war. We, could, we were in Hamburg on slave labor. We went to Hamburg, 500 women from Auschwitz that we were there brought to to forced labor and we were cleaning up after the bombing and then we also had to dig trenches for uh, for the soldiers if there was not enough uh, we, we worked from morning till night, they really took big big advantage of us so okay. when we were cleaning up a refinery Mm-hmm. We were covered with, with oil and it was horrible. And the refineries were situated next to forests. So they were hidden camouflaged with nets. And on the nets were like leaves. And so from the air, they looked like a forest. And they, if there was time, they let us go to the forest to, to hide. And if there was no time, they just left us wherever we were. That particular day, we went to the forest and uh, when the bombing came, and and uh, they tell you if you hear the bomb 
it's already it already fell so there is no way you can run away next thing you see it's a gigantic crater and the crater lifts lifts into the air and there is everything there trees bodies boulders everything that was on the ground is now like hanging in the air and then it falls down Wow. And and it fell down, and I was covered with with earth, and I started to have tremendous difficulties of of uh, breathing. So so I was thinking, my that was the only time I thought, well, this is the end of you, Anita. Simultaneously, almost with that thought, came a terrible pain on my on my foot, and two seconds I'm out breathing. And I look up and there is a soldier. And here I will take a moment to explain to you something. Okay. All the, all the SS uniforms that you see in the movies or that they refer to, that was a SS army and they were all volunteers. Those are the two SS on their, on their, um, co- on their colors. Mm-hmm. There is another army though. Uh, Germany was at war and there was a draft. And they called, they were calling older and weaker. They they called, it was a draft. And if you don't answer the draft, you are a deserter. And a deserter at the time of war is not something you would like to be. So the whole 500 women compound or complex or whatever you want to call it was uh, managed by about eight SS women and about a dozen soldiers from the Wehrmacht. So that soldier that was guarding us, who stumbled over my leg and pulled me out, was from the Wehrmacht. Now, I don't say that every Wehrmacht soldier was a good man, but I can tell you one thing, not everybody was a bad man. And certainly there were many that did not uh, believe in the in the Nazi way of running the world. Mm-hmm. This particular soldier asked me my, my age and I stumbled because I was supposed to say that I'm 18, but I was indeed only 14. So I, I was so shaken up from that all, all what happened. And I said, I'm for, 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 for 18, I'm 18. He said, calm down, calm down. And he asked me from where I am and how come I speak German. That's okay. Continue. Oh, shit. And when <laughs> they, when they, uh, a, a soldier, so he, and then after he was so nice and talked to me, he put his arm behind and I said, now he's going to shoot me. And then he pulls out and there is a sandwich in his hand. He opened the package, he breaks the sandwich into two and gives me half of the sandwich. Wow. I, of course, gobbled it down. I haven't had such a sandwich for I don't know how long. So that's the story of the sandwich. And my birthday, he let me not work for a whole day. And then he asked What did you do? What did you do for that day? Nothing. I was just sitting around and watching the border. The water was for me an incredible thing because Czechoslovakia is a landlocked country. It doesn't have any ocean or anything big around it. So I was sitting around having the whole sandwich, walking around a little bit. I couldn't go any, anywhere fast. And then I went to swim. 
and I swam and I swam and I swam and it was a sunny day and the water felt so good on my arms and on my body. For a moment, I think I forgot where I am. I forgot about about the war. I forgot about that I am with a number on my hand, uh, doomed forever because somehow, somehow, sometimes we questioned our hope that we will Absolutely. make it. But that wasn't the moment of that. That was a moment where I felt exhilarated and happy. And then I saw the German houses there and I said I could easily swim there. But who is going to take me? My, my five, 14 years old, almost going on 15. And, and, and I have a number on my head. I have that crazy pair of bloomers on me that I never saw before or after. And I, then I promised the soldier I won't run away. So I swam. So that was my birthday. And then okay. the fall came. Then the fall came and it got cold. And we started to cough. And, the, and we, as the winter came, we had frozen hands, frozen feet. And, and, and it compacted the, the, the suffering so much more because we, were, we couldn't get better because we, were, we never could stay indoors. So we went with the frozen feet out again to work and came back with, with more of it. And, and they turned blue and they turned red. And, 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 and you know what? There was endless, endless, endless physical challenge those days. Mm -hmm. Of course, we didn't have enough what to eat. The place we stayed in were storage houses. There wasn't enough heat. And time went on and we could already hear the cannons coming. We could already hear the voice, the noise of the cannons. And we were all, that's how we kept ourselves together. Because survival is a thing that happens. You hold on together for the minute you are in. Okay. And then you take another minute. And and then you take another minute and and you try to survive again. A minute and then an hour and, and, and then a day and then a week and, and that's the way you, you you survive. And you keep your hope and the perseverance to live. I think those are the those are the way that we are really um they, they kept us alive. If you were, if you didn't have that, I don't think those people that didn't have that strong will to live, I don't think those people made it. So it's truly moment by moment. That's what you're saying. Absolutely, moment Absolutely. by moment. Absolutely. Moment by moment. And second by second, it, it really took all the concentration. And then it came January and February. Suddenly, end of February, we were back in the cattle cars. We traveled not not a long way because if you look on the map, that uh, Hamburg is a port city, very high on the on the on the sea. Um, on the tippy top of Germany, and mm -hmm. then we went from there, uh, not too long, maybe a few hours, maybe a day, and there we were, open the doors, and we see again a concentration. We see the striped uniforms, we see barbed wire, and when we came closer, we see the people that are, that are in a shape that is not describable. They didn't walk. They nodded. They didn't look. 
their eyes were their eyes were transparent. It it was it was just they, they didn't even look like like they didn't even look like people because they were like recessed. They were like robots. Is that it? They were like like just barely hanging in. You felt that they are like midway between life and death. Hmm. And they gave them even later a, 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 a name. They gave them a name, Muslim which probably in their mind was um, a, a, just a shadow of a man. We uh, <laughs> saw dead bodies all over because nobody had the strength anymore even to, to pick them up. We walked in, they pushed us in, there were no uh, bunk beds, no nothing, there was no organized food, they yelled bread, they had food, whoever could run ate, whoever couldn't, couldn't run, didn't eat. I mean, the place where it was before they shoved in another 5,000 or 50,000, there were about, at that point, 50 or 60,000 people there. Or, you know, at... On the edge, that's what I would call it, on the edge. And everybody was so into themselves just to to try to survive, to, to try to hang in, like I said before, the, the next minute, the next hour, and the next day. Anne Frank died six weeks before the war in Bergen-Belsen. We came there six weeks before the end of the war. So that means we, I came there about the same time as Anne Frank died. The, by the way, every, every, every few minutes somebody died. I mean... But would you, would you say, Anita, that people helped each other under these dire conditions within the group or not at all? You know, people try to help, but everybody was at the end of their strength. Yeah. So of course they helped. They fall, saw somebody fall down. They lifted them. They dragged them. But you couldn't share the food because maybe yeah, you needed the strength. Because you ran again and there was nothing left anymore, and you yeah. couldn't carry two the two foods because they would think that you are carrying it for yourself, and they wouldn't uh-huh. allow that. So. Uh, Six weeks of, of seeing around you people dying. It, it, it is, I, I really don't have words to describe that. And mm-hmm. then came April 15. Okay. April 15. Suddenly the Germans were gone. They were gone. They were gone. We looked around, they were gone. And simultaneously, a brigade of British soldiers were coming in, young men with big smiles on their faces. They are liberating another camp. This was probably the highlight of, of all the soldiers when they came to a, to a camp and they were able to liberate these people that suffered beyond the knowledge of, of suffering, beyond, the, beyond the, what humanity ever did. And, and this is where I feel the word um, humanity was forgotten. Because okay. until today, I did not resolve how one person could do such cruelty to another human being. 
I, I just, I still cannot understand it. And it's now 65 or 70 years or whatever, long after the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all on the edge of, of, of falling off and everything. So they took us to military hospitals. I was taken to a military hospital uh, in, a, in a city of Hanover. It is very close to Berlin and to Bergen-Belsen. And, and they, 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 we had to be, they told us ahead of time, they, we had to be in a quarantine. And the quarantine must be minimum six weeks to make sure that we are not taking some, some disease with us. So the quarantine was for diseases only? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, and there are no data, really. How many people died after liberation? Oh, I forgot the most important about when the when the uh, when the English soldiers came. Everybody was begging them for food. Everybody said, "Can I have something? Can I have something?" And they had, "How much can a soldier have on himself?" So they started to look and look, and suddenly they found magazines, uh, storage houses, full of bread. They immediately put it on jeeps, and they were going to distribute it. Mm-hmm. And when they took it out, a bird came down on the jeep that they had the bread there and died instantly. Oh they my checked, goodness! They checked it out. All the bread that was in those storage houses was poisoned. In one slice, there was enough poison to kill a person in the condition we were. So if the Allies would have come April 16, 50, 60 or 70,000, I don't know how many were there because I don't think anybody knew because they were not taking counts. Too many were coming and too many were dying. Mm-hmm. They would have been all gone. So we were safe from that. I would like to point out how many people died at at that time between the six weeks. Because they were past, they were totally past the ability to make it anymore. Mm -hmm. The, The numbers were astronomical. The numbers were astronomical. We were told in the hospitals that we have to be there minimum six weeks and then we can go wherever we want to or if not, they will take us to some, they call them uh, PD camp or something. PD camp, they call it, yes. They call them PD camps. Okay, I never knew that. What, what was it called? You said pity, right? Not pity, no, no. Ah. PD. Oh, PD camps. Okay. Uh, or, or maybe they had a different name because I, I, I I'm come, I'm pro- proceeding with the story. I got a message with my father of my, from my father through the Red Cross that he is alive, and he will meet me in Prague. Okay. So from that moment on, there was nothing that faced me. I helped the nurses to roll uh, bandages. I helped in the kitchen to distribute food. I was carrying blankets if people were cold. They, 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 I was elated. My father is going to be back and everything is going to be like it was before. So, so 
the survivor idea at this point was gone. I didn't need to survive. I already survived. And I will see my father in a few weeks. And I will, he will take care of me and I will be, uh, and hopefully I will see, of course, my mother and, and my little brother. But I knew, and I think I mentioned it in, in, uh, in mm -hmm. my previous talk, that we later found out that the weak and the children and the elderly went to the gas chamber. So I sort of knew it, didn't want to admit to it, but I do. I did know it. But I had no news from my father, so that was... Now I arrived in... Now I was on the very first bus going out of that hospital. I decided that I'm going to be on the first bus, and I was. And now it was six weeks later. We are now end of May. And the autobahn, the, the highways, were on both sides. They were uh, cherry trees. And because it was end of May, the, all the cherry trees were in bloom. And the aroma of the cherry trees and, and the bloom, the beautiful bloom, it, it filled my heart with, with, with such a feeling of freedom. I think that was the first time that I really believed that I was free. I arrived in Prague. I was there, everybody looking for names. The names were on the floor, on the walls, on the ceiling. Everybody was asking, did you see this? Did you see that? Did you see somebody other? And, 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 and I, I'm looking desperately for my father. He told me, meet me in Prague. Where is he? Where is he? That was weeks ago. Where is he? Mm -hmm. and, and, and a gentleman taps me on the shoulder and he said, Anita, your dad died as a hero. I said, what are you talking about? My dad is alive. And he said, we were recaptured. I was with him. We were recaptured. And we had to <clears throat> go on a... <clears throat> excuse me. Take your time. We had to go on a death march again. And we were dragging because we were, you know, it was four years and some of us could not walk and our friend, one of them, couldn't walk anymore. And as he said, as you know, your father was always like a macho guy and a soldier and, and, and always with a joke. And he said, he put him on his shoulder and he said, I will carry you into freedom. And the guard that was watching them told him to step out and shot him. My father was shot two days before the mm -hmm. end of the war. Wow. So I am now there. I have nowhere to go, so they threw together some kind of an orphanage. But, but tell me, just for a second, for the listener here, Anita, this is for most people incomprehensible. You have no more family. You just heard that your last hope, your dad, has died to give us just I know it's hard but just give us that one sentence so that that we know what you felt like I think the sentence the the, the message to myself mm -hmm. was the same message as I was giving myself for the last four years you have to hold on together you have to overcome it there is a reason why you survived. You have to hang in there. I think that's what I was thinking. But where did you find the hope? 
Because we all need that hope somewhere. How did you conjure up the hope? I don't know. I don't know. You just had the strength, huh? Because I think this, this is me. I never lose hope. Until <laughs> there, there, are, there are things in life that you are desperate. There are things in life that, that you never lose hope. Yeah. No, I, I understand totally. I just wanted you to reiterate that for the listener because most people, you know that when, when they haven't gone through anything and they just lose one parent, it's, it's very, very hard. But you have lost everyone in one go. And when that last hope was your father in Prague, that must be devastating, though. But you put, you put one foot in front of the next foot. Exactly. And so, I, 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 you know, I didn't think about, again, I didn't think about the future. I thought about what am I doing now? What am I going to do tomorrow? I'm going to go and see to get back to school. And there, another tragedy awaited me. I went to the Board of Education and I said, uh, uh, they pulled up my, my file. My, uh, my last report card was from the fifth grade. And they said, okay, you will go to sixth grade. And I said, I can't. I, I am I am 15 years old. For four years, I I, le- I lived I lived suffering and death. Mm-hmm. I cannot go with 11 years old to school, please. And I also have to learn something so I can make a living for myself. There is nobody around who will take care of me. And there was no light in the eyes of the person who was telling me all this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I couldn't believe, I, I just couldn't believe, I always wanted to be a doctor. And not only a doctor, I had a definite uh, thing marked up for me. I was going to be a surgeon because I practiced from the time I was a little girl. Other girls dressed up their dials, I was cutting them up. Because, <laughs> I, was pra- because I was practicing to be a surgeon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to laugh because I'm one of the girls that dress them up. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what, Anita? This is a perfect moment to go into a commercial break Absolutely. to bring a little bit of humor in. We need a little bit of humor. In this amazing story that nobody who's listening to this understands really how you did this you know because it is quite impossible you did the impossible so with these words we're going into commercial break and we'll be right back everyone stay put friend us on facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world voice america empowerment Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host, Jordan Kimmel, is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G A B R I E L L A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi everyone, and if you're just tuning in right now, you come closer, don't move, because we have Anita Shore back from uh, last week talking about the Holocaust, and at this moment, she is actually talking about the liberation and where she started again from scratch without a family, and what is she to do now? And just so you visualize this a little bit better, she is in Prague, which is today called, uh, it's the capital of the Czech Republic, and I know most people have heard of that. So, Anita, you were just telling us all (laughs) with laughter that you wanted to be a surgeon and that you were cutting up your dolls when you were young, before the World War II. But then I said, so, so wait a minute, I can never be a doctor if I can't get into school. What, was, what would be my second talent? Art, I, they displayed in school my, whatever I did in art, but I don't think I was that great. But I figured, all right, I could be an artist, like a commercial artist. So okay. I, went to the, I went to the school where they were teaching commercial art. The, the, of course, the state school. And they said, we cannot take you in. You didn't finish your, 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 your basic uh, education because they took only uh, people, uh, kids, I mean, after they finished the, the, whatever was obligatory to go to school. I think it was eight years you were, you were obliged to go to school. So there was another closed door. Okay. Uh, you you told me in the intermission that I should say where, where I got my clothes. It was from United States. There was a fund called UNRWA, something, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
United Nations uh, appeal or United... I have to really uh, find out exactly what was the full name of it. They brought in clothing and then they had people working there and they picked out what they think would make would make you look good and and I've made friends there with one of the ladies and and she she picked out some real nice stuff for me so I was kind of dressed okay it was second hand clothes but second hand clothes is okay especially yeah. if for 40 years you you were only drags so yeah. I got I got a room in in the orphanage I had breakfast and dinner there and lunchtime you know, I, I I really don't remember where I from where I had money in my pocket altogether. Maybe we were getting it from somewhere. I must have had something because I knew I I ate lunch when I was out for the day. But I really don't remember at all from where the money came because. But it was minimal that I know. So mm-hmm. I figured. So what I'm gonna do now? I can't get to school because my last report card is from from fifth grade. Certainly nobody's going to adopt you. Because I wasn't a cute little 15-year-old. I was a girl that went through hell. And I was tough, and I was this, and I was that. I was certainly not a little 15-year-old that you would like to adopt, and she should bring laughter and happiness to a home. (laughs) So... I said, so what will I do? Let me see if I can get into it. I was really desperate. I'm saying it with a light heart now. I was really desperate because because my future suddenly didn't exist. I had nothing to be hopeful for. I said, I, I got to get into some school and maybe I can get into some private school. So I said, I will find out what is the best graphic private school and I will go there. And I will go there and I have to convince them that they should give me scholarship. And that's how I went to the first. And and actually I went in there, I spoke to the to first to the lady in the office and then she said, Well, you know, we are a private school. We do, we, we we get paid for our students. And, and I said, but please, please make it, make an exception. She, she said, you know, this is not in my hands. I will, I will ask uh, our director. I will ask him and then I will call you. Can I call you somewhere? So I said, well, may I call you? Because I didn't have a telephone. Mm-hmm. I didn't have access to a telephone. I said, may I call you then and find out what time? And this was she indeed did. I had an appointment now with the director of the, of the private school of uh, commercial art. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the, in the waiting room and waiting for the director to, to see me. And suddenly a gentleman very nicely dressed comes out. Mm-hmm. opens the door and says, Miss Anita, come in. I almost dropped that. <laughs> Somebody called me Miss Anita. I was a number now for, for three and a half years. And now I am Miss Anita. I don't know whether you could, whether you can imagine. You have an identity, correct? Well, well, 
I don't know what it was, but I felt human. I felt it, it maybe a little respected or something. Maybe I had some value. That gave me such a high, I sort of like jumped in there with a smile on my face. That's fantastic. And that's the man who gave you your chance, right? Of course, of course. Fantastic. That was my first chance. And, and you know, it, 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 this is difficult like this on a spare of the moment, go into detail. But uh, Marian Stoll uh, wrote a book about this and she put it in, in better words and more words that you really could get the feeling. So if any of you that are listening uh, would like to know a little more details and have the whole story that you either listened, if you listened to it last week, then you know it. But if you didn't, then you don't know it. And in the book, Be a Hero, uh, that has one cover and another cover is, uh, yes, you can make a difference. Step in, be a hero. That particular other cover has my face on it and that type is set like in a necklace on my neck. So you, the, the inside of the book is, if not the same, very, very similar. So choose whichever cover you want, but maybe that book will show you even, bring you even closer to what I'm speaking. Yeah, I absolutely agree that people should get the details of the book because here, of course, I ask questions and we go back and forth. So to make the story really um, understandable for you, go to Amazon, type Be a Hero or type um, Anita Shore, which is S-C-H-O-R-R, or type the name of the author, which is Marion Stahl. Uh, I have it right here. Her the writing of Stahl is S T A H L. But the easiest—that's what I did. I just typed "be a hero," and you will see the books immediately. What she's talking about, because of course we can't say everything in this one hour again. But I, I want to—I would like the listener to learn something, Anita, about you and about your strength. Because in today's society, we have also forgotten humanity often. And you know my slogan, we've dropped the ball on human kindness. Won't you help me pick it up? And when I say that, I think you and I are very, very close in messages, although our entire lives are quite different. And I want to, I, I would love in your words to say to the younger generation out there that is listening right now, you have nothing. But you have something. You have yourself. You, I was just going to say, but you had something with that. You had strength, you had might, and you had, and, and this is what I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you had something that I call a foundation. Your foundation was short. I, I really realize that, uh, Anita. But you had nine years with a loving family, way too short. It was obviously cut off. But I feel that you received a beautiful gift in those nine years that gave you a perspective on life and on who you are and what you can accomplish in life if you try. 
if you simply try. Because most people give up and won't even go to the school. They will give up after the one time of a rejection. So what did you, what is it that you had to overcome to keep going to the school? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't even overcome. It was okay. just to make yourself into a human being that fits into a society. Because I came, I lived like a dog. Okay. Uh, stealing was a part of, of my survival. If I found something that I could steal, mostly I was interested in food, I did it. Mm -hmm. I just did it. Yeah. And here suddenly there was plenty. But I knew you cannot steal. This is not, this is not, this is not accepted. I cannot do this because it's not a... So I took this recipe and I wasn't a little obedient girl before the war. I wanted to know everything. I, my nose was in everything. I was a handful. They call these kind of kids a handful. And that's what yep. I was. But, and so I wasn't the most obedient kid. They always had to explain to me everything in detail. Now, when a situation came, I asked myself, what would my parents want me to do? Mm -hmm. And this is what I did. But see, that's so beautiful. This is exactly what I kind of sensed throughout our conversations, is that beautiful foundation that you had, where there's something Absolutely. that you can, you can pull it towards you. And... And um, I, I almost want the children and the younger generation to see us. And I, I really feel that your parents, your family were very much alive in your heart and in your mind. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, I would like to tell you when I speak in schools where uh, it, it, in a lower, in a, in a more stressed uh, part of, of cities where the kids have major problems from home the, the, the families are broken uh, the parents drink or use drugs and the children are, are like on the street like I was betrayed, deserted they made, them, we, they made us feel like who the hell needs you <laughs> I tell you something Many of these kids look at me and they tell themselves, you know what, if she could do that, what she went through, I can do it too. And this, I think, is, is the key to my presentations. And this is a key that propels me to go back and back and speak, because I think I empower those kids that are desperate. But you do I, not hold your past as a sort of victim. And that's what you're showing these children, correct, Anita? Because a lot of people use, a lot of people would use, you know, when, when we say, I had no mother, I had no, so that I turned out bad is not my fault. You are the example that it doesn't matter what you have lived, you still have to be Deal with today. You have to yes. deal with today, but you have the idea what would, what good life is. But if, yes. of course, it, it every place I went, I've so here I am now in the in the graphic art school, and and 
life for me was really unbearably difficult. But I, I, I said to myself, yeah, I want to go to, to Israel, then Palestine, because Pal uh, Israel was that time still under the, under the British mandate. I figured, oh, you know what? I'm going to go and see if I can learn English. See if I can do the same thing like I did now with the art school. Go to a, to a school and, and just make them give me a, a scholarship. So I went to the best school, <laughs> the university, the Carl's University. That's the, that was the university in Prague. And it was, I think, probably the only university. But here I went and I said, please, I must learn English because I will be going to Palestine. I couldn't get in there because somebody had to sponsor you. Uh-huh, okay. And, and, and I didn't know of anybody who I could, because my couple, two relatives, they were my father's cousin and his wife, they were young students then when they went before the war. They went illegally to Israel. Mm -hmm. and, and they could not, and they could not uh, send somebody for, they could not sponsor somebody because they were still illegally in, in Palestine. But there was an uncle there. <laughs> who was very well off and spoke nine languages, was a brilliant guy. But I found that out only after he died. Those, those two of my brother, my father's cousins, they told me about it only after this uncle died. That they went over to him and they said, bring Anita in, we will give you a signed document that when she enters in Israel or Palestine, then we will take care of her. And he didn't want to. I'm saying this because, you know, there are not very generous people everywhere. <laughs> and, and we have to accept that because they are going to be there. And, and, and we try to stay away from them because they, they are just heavy baggage. They are like the shame of humanity, I think. They are like the people that, they are the, those are the people that forgot humanity that we have an obligation to, mm -hmm. help, to help somebody. Okay. I, I believe that too, but not everyone agrees with me on that one, Anita. Um, that's a whole different subject, the, the obligation of helping another human being. Right? You know what? Nobody could survive without a friend. No, it's not another object. No. True. You cannot okay. survive without a friend. And even today, when, when you are even grown up, whether you are 20, 50 or 80, mm -hmm. you, you need a friend. You, you need a friend. Somebody who will support you both mentally mm -hmm. and who will give you a hand if you are in need. I, I feel that you need a friend and you have to find a friend. This is, this is a mission you have to take upon yourself. <laughs> it's not always easy. Uh, Anita, we have uh, eight minutes left, and I would really like to know what it is. First of all, um, I know that you talk in schools. You talk everywhere that they invite you. What is it that you bring to these kids with the 
life that they have today, which seems very complicated, a lot of abuse, a lot of bullying, you hear it in the news every single day. What is it in your story that will make these kids more empowered and a better person? And that if an educator hears you right now, why should they pick up the phone immediately and call you? I... I think I have a connection to the young people. Okay. Because they feel that I was their age when all of this was happening. Mm -hmm. Where did I find the power? Where did I find that those are the questions I always get. And I said, you have to bring it out of yourself. Mm -hmm. And and it's again another, another thing that you have to survive. And for me, it was just to make it for another day and, and, and uh, in the meantime, to look to do something. So I was approached uh, about, about a year and something. No, it was exactly about a year that I was liberated. I was approached if I would like to join the Haganah. Join the Haganah? I was 16 years old now. Oh my goodness, that, that's fantastic. Of course I would like to join the Haganah. And they took me to a cellar, and in the cellar was a table, and on the table was a map of Israel, and on the, on the map there was a, a Tanakh, which are the scriptures, and on top of it was a revolver. And they made me uh, take an oath that I will be true and be fighting for the new country mm-hmm. and that will be Israel and I think that was a big turning point in my survival and then I again looked in every day for those little things to make myself into and, and then uh, I, I did finish a year and a half of that graphic school that the school was three years and I had it just a little bit over a year I did though finish the course of English and I got a diploma from the Carl's University because I went to three hours each day and that was a course for stewardesses and it was very difficult for me because um, those stewardesses were all high school graduates. Uh-huh, okay. And, and I was a five, five, fifth grade uh, out with my last report card from fifth grade and I discovered something else that was a nightmare mm-hmm. I saw I forgot how to read yes I could read the mechanics of reading but okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't comprehend and that devastated me and a little into the time when I went to um, a, 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 they, they made from the Haganah, they arranged homes for um, the new recruits. They lost them. many of them were there, or most of them were there. Those of us who survived, I found there a friend, a real close friend, that 
that I had to share with him my problem. I had to ask him to help me to do this. And I remember yesterday he brought me, a, his name was Kostya. Now his name is Yeshaya Hunir, and he was a professor of communication in, in the University of Jerusalem. All these years he wrote a couple of books, and I'm in touch with him because we, from that time on, when I was in that group kind of a home, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we were like twins. We did everything together. I was crazy about him. I was attracted to him in every single way, but I didn't think I was good enough for him. So I never really make an attempt. I was happy just to be his friend. And he had another girlfriend. Of course, it was killing me. But as I said, as I said, I didn't think I was good enough for him. Okay, my last question. We have three minutes till closing, okay? So okay. first of all, for every listener, go to Amazon.com. I really want to get that in. Be a hero. There are two different covers. It doesn't matter. Just go Get the book in Kindle format or in paperback. Get it because it will really help you see history in a much better way. That's one. Two, I'm going to give the word back to Anita about um, my question to you. And that's my last question for today is, did you find happiness, true happiness and love in having a child, a husband, um, a partner for life and your grandchildren because I guess that when people hear your story somehow in us we all want to know that someone found that you know the foundation yes I did I did I did all of those things and and so, today I live a life of of and friends friends yes. that I made during those years are like my family I can call a friend and I say, I need something. And, and I know they do it for me with a full heart because yes. giving actually is more of a good feeling than taking. Absolutely. Giving is a wonderful thing in life. And, and I'm giving the opportunity to many of my friends to, to feel good. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And then what I want to mention for all the listeners out there, and this is really important, I'll put it everywhere on social media. April 4th, Friday, 9 a.m. PST time, noon Eastern time and 11 o'clock Central time. Anita will be back where anyone, whether you're a child at school, whether you've heard Anita talk, whether you've read her book. You are more than welcome to call in. We're going to put the number everywhere on Anita's blog and my social media and Voice America. You can call in and ask your questions to Anita. And do, don't worry. Do I, do I have one second? You have two. <laughs> I must say that uh, Marian Stoke that wrote my book, Yes. It's written it with a heart and, and with enthusiasm. The book is not written by an older person reflecting on their past. It's written with the words of a little girl. And I think young people will really will find it very different. And there is every after every every part of the book, every chapter, there is 
history, plain history, what was happening in the United States and what was happening in Europe at that time. So it will not be just something that will warm your heart. It will teach you real cold history. Fantastic. You have a couple of seconds left. Anything you want to leave? Anyone with one sentence of wisdom, Anita? <laughs> Step in and be a hero. Step don't in and stay. be a hero. I don't, love that. Don't stay silent because silence is like a participation. And there is a quote, I don't know who said that. Silence if is you are, if you are a, If you listen to a witness, you are a witness. I've also, yeah, I've also heard silence is complicity. And for all the people out there, don't be a bystander. Anita is trying to tell you to take action, become active and become a witness and say no. Is that what you're saying, Anita? Absolutely. This is why I am opening my heart every time I speak, because I believe that, yes, there is a possibility to make a better world. Yes, yes. there is a possibility that we will bring back humanity and we will be a, giving a hand to the other person. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think we, 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 I don't want to use a bad word because it's on, on the radio, but we are not leaving a very good world behind. And you young people, you have the power, you have the education, and you can find friends with which you can, you can make a better world. Because only you can make it. Because education and, okay. and, and this is, is a key to a better world. It is. She's basically saying you can be the difference. So be the difference. And next week we'll be back with Might Radio with another guest. And I thank you so much, Anita. And I thank Marion Stahl for finding me and to have been able to put you on the radio twice. And we'll see you again, Anita, on April 4th. Thank you, everyone. And see you next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week, and until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Everyone is eligible for RX Savings Plus. There's no age or income restrictions and no paperwork. Simply print a card and start saving on your prescriptions. Start saving today. Enroll and print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word TALK RADIO to 96 
Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the best-kept secrets for success in business and life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com. Promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. Are you having difficulty in achieving your dreams and what you really want in life? Would some conversations filled with energy and wisdom come in handy just about now? Welcome to Little Conversations Today with Dan Deegan. It's the little conversations that can bring about the biggest elements of change and empowerment. Take some time out right now to explore the power of these little conversations. Now, here is your host, Dan Deegan. Well, welcome back to another installment of Little Conversations, Your Conversation Counts. And each week, as you know, we bring to you some of today's thought leaders and talk about some of the little conversations they had as they were on the climb to their success. And it's with an absolute pleasure and honor today that we have Sharon Lecter. Now, uh, if you've listened to the show right from the beginning, you'll know that um, back in December 2010, um, a massive storm hit my life and through that storm I got introduced to Napoleon Hill's new book Outwitting the Devil and Sharon was a big part of that book and then from Outwitting the Devil I was introduced to a book called Three Feet from Gold that Sharon co-authored with Greg Reed as part of the Napoleon Hill Foundation and since that time I've had the great honor of not only meeting and interviewing Don Green the executive director of the Napoleon Hill Foundation Greg Reed who's co-authored with Sharon on, on Three Feet from Gold and now we have Sharon on the show so Sharon thank you so much for being here I mean here you are founder and CEO of Pay Your Family First, financial education organization and youthpreneur, an innovative way to spark the entrepreneurial spirit in our children. I mean, that's absolutely fantastic. Co-author 